everybody and welcome once again to old time rock and roll yes indeed i am your host lee douglas and this is the second part of our top 50 rock and roll instrumentals of all time and i'm telling you got some tremendous response from the last show and especially got so many said you forgot this and you forgot that and i said did you forget to vote well, then they stopped. Anyway, this is exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. The top 25 as voted by all the used guys. Oh, well. Anyway, here uh, is the number 25 song, and this is by a group called the Ramrods. Now, Ghost Riders in the Sky was a cowboy legend, and it was sung originally as a country and cowboy style song was written on June 5, 1948, by Stan Jones. A number of versions were crossover hits on the pop charts in 1949. The biggest was Vaughn Monroe's version. A twangy guitar instrumental version by the Ramrods, which featured the spooky ghostly sounds of moving cattle, bronco cheers, and sounds of whips, made the Billboard Top 30 in 1961. Number 25... Ghost Riders in the Sky, The Ramrods. Ah! 
Number 24 song that you guys have voted as the top instrumentals of the year is by Lonnie Mack. Now, Lonnie became very popular in the 1960s when he recorded a succession of full-length electric guitar instrumentals which combined blues stylism with fast-picking techniques with a rock and roll beat. The best known of these is Chuck Berry's Memphis. 17 years later, in July of 1980, the editors of Guitar World magazine ranked Memphis the premier landmark rock guitar recording of all time. Number 24, Lonnie Mack, Memphis. Sandy Nelson started a craze. Up until that time, guitarists were the big instrumentalists. And then 
saxophone players, but not drummers. Sandy Nelson's first recording was with a band called the Renegades, and the song was called Geronimo, which we played just a few weeks ago. Although it flopped on the national charts, it's, it did chart in some of the Midwestern markets. The song, along with another song called Charge, was part of the 1959 soundtrack for the film Ghost of Drag Strip Hollow, released by American International Pictures. If you remember those, those were all those great crummy movies that we sat in the back seat of our cars watching sometimes. But they were absolutely terrible movies and we loved every one of them. Anyway, Nelson attended high school with Jan Berry and Dean Torrance, who later became Jan and Dean, and just became respected as a session drummer. He played on such song as To Know Him Is To Love Him by Phil Spector's Teddy Bears, Ali Oop, The Hollywood Argyles, and A Thousand Stars with Kathy Young and The Innocents. His song... Teen Beat, on original sound records, rose as high as number four on the Billboard Top 100 Songs in 1959. It sold over one million copies and was awarded a gold disc. Number 23, Sandy Nelson, Teen Beat. Later that same year, it almost happened again. This time, it actually took another route. You know, we used to go to the beach in Brooklyn. We would have, uh, there were three beaches. There was Coney Island, Brighton Beach, and Manhattan Beach. 
my group hung out at Manhattan Beach. And of course, the biggest instrument on the beach was the bongos. And the reason for that was this song by Preston Epps and the incredible bongo band, Bongo Rock. 1959, number 23, tied with Team Beat. another one of those surfing songs that swept the country in 1960s. Here is Pipeline by the Shantays. Thank you. 
You are listening to Old Time Rock and Roll's Top 50 Instrumentals of 1955 through 1975, the greatest instrumental hits of the golden age of rock and roll. The song that we found for the number 21 spot is incredible for many different reasons, mostly because the guy that did this song never worked on his own. He was always part of the group known as Bill Haley and the Comets. Now, Rudy Pompili, who was the sax player for the group and worked with him from the Saddlemen all the way through to his death, was composed by Bill Haley and Rudy Pompili, and they wrote a song called Rudy's Rock. It was released as a single, and it appeared in the 1956 movie Rock Around the Clock. It was released and Decker record and backed with Blue Comet Blues. The single reached number 34 on the Billboard charts and 38 on the Cashbox charts. It was also a big hit in the United Kingdom, as most of our songs were. It also recharted number 26 in December of the same year. So here he is, the original Rudy Pompili's Rudy's Rock number 21.
sad fact, as everyone known, is that Rudy and Bill were absolutely close, close friends. And when Rudy died, Bill lost the love for playing his music. And, of course, we lost a great rock and roll performer. Number 20. Cozy Cole was an American jazz drummer who scored a number one cash box hit with this song called Topsy Part 2. Topsy peaked at number three on the Billboard 100 and at number one on the R&B charts. It sold over one million copies and was awarded a gold record. The recording contained a lengthy drum solo and was one of the few drum solo recordings that ever made the Billboard Hot 100 charts. The single was issued on the tiny Brooklyn-based Love Records label. You know, I lived in Brooklyn and I never knew about it. That's how tiny it was. Here is the great Cozy Cole, Topsy, Part 2. Topsy, Part 2. Thank you. 
if you are around the same age as I am, and I won't tell you how old that is, but you know, uh, I got to tell you, there was one thing that was definite. If our parents wanted to get rid of us on a Saturday night, all they had to do was turn on their ABC affiliate and start watching Lawrence Welk. Now, two teenagers, Lawrence Welk was like scratching your fingernails on a chalkboard. We couldn't, <laughs> I know, I don't know about you guys, but I couldn't stomach it. I, I would actually throw up if I had to sit there and, and watch this guy be so syrupy and so fruity. I don't know how else to d describe it. That's why I love the uh, wonderful, wonderful by the great Stan Freeberg because he made such great fun of, of Lawrence Welk and his, <laughs> and his show and his orchestra. But I have to be honest, when this hit as the 19th most popular song as far as instrumentals go, I was surprised. But here it is. Lawrence Welk, Calcutta. Once again, things that happened in the 1950s and 60s could never happen again. Now, right in the middle of the first decade of real rock and roll, for two concert pianists like Ferrante and Teicher to have not one, not two, but many top 
20 songs, like Theme from the Apartment, Tonight, Midnight Cowboy, and this one, it, it blew my mind, and yet even we listened to it. Ferranti and Taisha were something special. They didn't only play the piano, they experimented with the piano. They placed papers, sticks, rubber, wood blocks, metal bars, chains, glass, mallets, and other objects to piano string beds. In this way, they were, they were able to produce a variety of bizarre sounds that sometimes resembled percussion instruments. Here from 1961, Ferranti and Teicher with the number 18. Biggest instrumental? The theme from Exodus. Well, you are listening to Old Time Rock and Roll, and this is the second of our two parts, the greatest instrumentals of the first 20 years of rock and roll, 1955 through 1975. And we, of course, don't just throw in rock and roll. We play all the songs 
that you loved in the 50s and 60s and early 70s. Here's one of them. Matter of fact, I saw this guy on stage with my friends Artie and Joe when we went down to the Apollo Theater. Here's our three little, little white guys in the midst of this incredible, historic place where every major African-American star played at some time in their career. From Moms Mabley, Red Fox, uh, Ray Charles, you name it. And so... This guy was there, too. His name was David Cortez Clowney, known by the stage name Dave Baby Cortez. Born on August 13, 1938, in Detroit, Michigan. His instrumental, The Happy Organ, was the first pop rock hit to feature the electronic organ as a lead instrument. The 45 RPM single was also the first instrumental to actually hit number one on Billboard magazine's Hot 100 charts. Cortez also had the distinction of being the first African-American artist to have an instrumental number one hit. Prior to that, Dave actually sang with two of the famous doo-wop groups in the early 50s, the Pearls and the Valentine. Here with the number 17 song, Dave Baby Cortez, The Happy Organ. you're still listening to old time rock and roll and uh, of course you know that this is the top 50 instrumentals this is the second of the two parts i hope you're enjoying this and uh, you know that you can get old time rock and roll just about anywhere you can get it on itunes you can get it on stitcher radio you can go right to talk to you you can go to facebook and you will find all our shows listed there as they are put up 
There is nowhere you can't find us except on regular radio. And if anybody out there wants to help change that, give me a buzz. OldTimeRNR at Hotmail.com or OTRNRContact at gmail.com. And we'll be glad to talk to you. You want a question answered? We'll answer it. You want a request? We'll, we'll play it for you. Whatever it is, we're here to please. Just give us that chance. And you know our website, www.oldtimernr.com. Now, the number 16 song is incredible. It is powerful. And it holds the distinction of being the only instrumental in the history of music to be banned on radio stations. Now, how is that possible? Well, it's only one. And because of the name and the connotation in the 1950s, it actually did get banned on some of the southern stations. Here is Link Ray and his Raymen from 1958, which this had to be one of the most incredible songs of the year. I absolutely took that cadence recording and played it so many times, I wore it out in about two weeks. Here's number 16 song, The Rumble. In 1961, Ray Charles put together 
his first album for ABC Paramount Records. And it was called Genius Plus Soul Equals Jazz. So was it rock and roll? Not really. But from this came one of the most incredible instrumental performances of the year. The genius Ray Charles, One Mint Julep. You know, as strange as it may seem, here's a guy that could not see from birth. And yet he played the piano, the saxophone, he wrote music. I mean, I can't do any of that with my sight, with anything. It's it's incredible. That's the way he was. He was a genius. 
Here's another genius, this one a genius of the classical guitar. In 1968, he was the musical director for the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. One Sunday night, Dickie Smothers gave him the chance to get out, sit on a stool, and play a song that he had just written. It became a nationwide smash. The number 14 biggest instrumental, Mason Williams, Classical Gas. There's a little added information about Mason Williams. He continued his career as both a guitarist, stand-up comedian, and songwriter. Together with Nancy Ames, he wrote a hit record called Cinderella Rockefeller, a 1968 number one hit for Esther and Abi Ofarim. The number 13 song, 
you know, back in the 1960s, we were all scared to death because there was a satellite which Russia got into space first. It was called Sputnik. And we were scared to death what what happened if we didn't get up a satellite quickly. Of course, we did in 1962. It was called Telstar. And in the same year, the tornadoes, using that odd instrument, again called the clavioline, arranged by an eccentric genius producer by the name of Joe Meek. It also became the first single by a UK band to reach number one on the US pop charts. Here's the number 13 song, The Tornadoes, Telstar.
1959, a song called A Summer Place debuted all over the country. Uh, interestingly enough, the film, which they did very smart, they put Sandra D and Troy Donahue, who were two idols of the kids in those days. The guys went to see Sandra D and the girls went to see Troy Donahue and we all were bored to death. Well, at least the guys were. I mean, the girls just loved it and cried through the whole picture and so on and so forth. But uh, the theme from the summer place was really the high spot. And although it was originally recorded for the film by Hugo Winterhalter, and it was also originally known as the Molly and Johnny theme, the piece itself is not the main title theme, but a love theme for the characters played by Sandra D. and Troy Donahue. Percy Faith recorded the most popular version of the tune, which spent an all-time record of nine consecutive weeks at number one on the Billboard Top 100 chart in early 1960. It remains the longest-running number one instrumental in the history of the charts. Number 12, by Max Steiner and Mac Discant, theme from a summer place. Perez Prado again with his second song on the charts. This one again, number 11. Patricia! 
Here once again is the fabulous Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. This time, number 10, their biggest hit, Taste of Honey. This number nine song is one of those songs that uh, was done by studio musicians and not knowing if it's going to be a hit. And then they actually go out and try and find a band to play these songs. And in this case, with the Champs, this is exactly what it was. They took studio musicians and bingo, they expected nothing. When it became a big, big, huge mega hit that year, they ran around frantically trying to find musicians that could do this, traveling around and promote the song. The Champs lasted for quite a few years after that. This is their absolute biggest hit, and you all know it. Tequila, number nine. Thank you. 
This one is by Booker T and the MGs. It is a soul instrumental recorded in 1962 by Booker T, originally issued on the Volt subsidiary of Stax Records in May of 1962 as the B-side to a song called Behave Yourself. It was quickly released as a reissue on a Stax label as the A-side and became a huge hit. Here he is. Booker T and the MG's Green Onions. I hope you enjoy this. I have already gotten some 
amazing comments to the show that I did with little Anthony last week. And uh, I really, really appreciate Anthony's taking all that time out to uh, spend with me and do an absolute great show, which I appreciate. He is going to be, if you are in the Florida area, he's going to be, let's see, I know he's going to be on Saturday night. He's going to be uh, at Palm, no, he's going to be Saturday night at the Indiana, in the Atlantic University. Uh, that's March the 24th, and I'm going to be at that show. And the night before that, he's going to be in West Palm Beach, uh, the 23rd. So, uh, and you know, we gave an entire listing of all his, his appearances. So if you get around to list, to see him, you gotta. He has gotten better with age. Just like we all do. And we're about the same age, so <laughs> I know how better I am. But, uh, I'll tell you, he has a great voice, still has an incredible, powerful voice. And you're going to like it. So if you get a chance, go see him. And uh, this is just, like I said, we're going to be doing another show really soon uh, with actually the road manager of Little Anthony and the Imperials, who uh, is the wife of the late Richard Barrett. And I hope to have a, a salute show on him in February. So be looking forward to that also, and I think you're going to enjoy it. This has been a great night so far, and I want to continue right now with the number seven song. This song is a surprise to me. It was originally written as a tribute to saxophonist Johnny Hodges. Earl Hagen wrote this and said that he was inspired by the Duke Ellington's band when he wrote this for the Ray Noble Orchestra. And uh, these guys got a hold of it. They're called the Viscounts. They had this hit called Harlem Nocturne. It is a classic, classic performance, and it's in the number seven spot. Thank you. 
I'm surprised this group didn't get not only higher, but also had more songs in the top 50. I expected that Hawaii Five-O would be there. But nevertheless, the number six song is The Ventures, Walk, Don't Run. There is so much information on Santo and Johnny that I really don't even know where to start. Santo and Johnny Farina were born in Brooklyn, New York on October 24th, 1937 and April 30th, 1941, respectively. Their father was drafted into the Army and the, chil and the children and he were stationed for some time in Oklahoma. After hearing a steel guitar on the radio, he wrote to his wife, I'd like the boys to learn how to play this instrument. Within two years of his release from the Army, Santo was performing on the steel guitar in amateur shows. And by the age of 14, he was composing songs and formed an instrumental trio with a guitarist and drummer. 
Now, of course, then along comes Johnny, and Johnny and his guitar and his uh, and their uncle Mike D on drums recorded a self-penned instrument, which they called Deep Sleep. Now, let's go up two years. In September of 1959, Santo and Johnny recorded this, and it became a nationwide hit. Alan Freed played it every single night and didn't stop until it topped the charts. September 1959, Santo and Johnny. Sleepwalk. Not surprisingly, the number four and the number three songs were actually recorded by the same artists. In 1956 in Toledo, Ohio, saxophonist Johnny Paris started his first band in high school, calling themselves the Black Cats. They played at concerts, local clubs, and at weddings, mostly polka and dance music. He was actually making more money than his father. So they soon changed to playing rock and roll music and changed their name to The Orbits. They signed with Twirl Records in 1956. They found out from Twirl Records' attorney that there already was a group called The Orbits. So they had to find a name that they would change it to. 
That particular year, Florida was being played by many hurricanes, and it was all over the news. So they thought that this might help give the band instant recognition. So the name became Johnny and the Hurricanes. The first record was called Crossfire, and it was recorded in a vacant cinema to provide the echo that they needed. The song became a nationwide U.S. hit and ranked number 23 in the charts. In 1959, Johnny and the Hurricanes toured the United States and began producing a string of instrumental hits unrivaled by any group of the day with the exception of Dwayne Eddy and the Rebel. Here is number four, Reveille Rock, and number three, Red River Rock.
Here's the number two song as voted by y'all. Here's Dwayne Eddy again, Rebel Rouser. are running late so I can't make any more descriptions but here is the biggest the number one best instrumental as voted by you here are Bill Doggett Billy Butler Clifford Scott and Shep Shepard the original and intact honky tonk
Well, that about does it for old time rock and roll. As everybody used to say on television, remember they never, they always ran over. They'd say, we're a little late, folks. Well, we are a little late, folks. We'll see you next week with another show for everybody here at Old Time Rock and Roll. This is Lee Douglas. That's a wrap. (laughs) 